Good afternoon. We're back with another edition, a special March Madness edition of the Shanmo Hoops Hoops Pod. Uh, with me today, I have a special guest, Coach Scott Davenport from Bellarmine University, home of the Atlantic Sun Tournament Champions and just their second year of Division One. Coach, how are you doing today? Well, after that introduction, I'm doing a lot better. <laughs> well, I know it's been a uh, a, a crazy crazy week um a lot of you know articles have have been written about the university uh but you know before let's just kind of go back a, a few days and and last tuesday you're playing in the atlantic sun championship uh at home uh which which i'm sure was was quite an atmosphere and you guys you guys win the tournament in just your second year in in division one how was that experience especially playing at home and and doing what maybe a lot of others didn't think you could do? Well, first and foremost, the experience. Watching the players celebrate each other is why you coach. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about Scott Davenport. It, it, it's not about – it's those young people celebrating each other. That was – you know, Sean, I've been in a few locker rooms in my life. And I've had some of the greatest post-game experiences. A state championship in the state of Kentucky as a high school coach, a national championship in Division Two, going to the Final Four as an assistant to Coach Patino at the University of Louisville, other NCAA experiences. I've had great, powerful locker room post game experiences, and I've had some that were devastating. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost in 2015 a Final Four game that literally was decided by an official score error that delayed the game 11 minutes in the under 10 timeout. Hmm. I mean, can you imagine what that locker room was like? Because <laughs> we thought whoever won our game was going to win the national championship. And right. indeed, Florida Southern won it. But the other night, Tuesday night, the locker room was was delayed because they stormed the court. Thank you to the, the <laughs> incredible fans of Louisville and the students. But it wasn't just the students. It was everybody. It was the the runner-up trophy presentation, which our league, the A-Sun, did a, a, a very first class and a tremendous job. Mm-hmm. Then it was the all-tournament team, the championship trophy, the cutting of the nets, players after <laughs> their families. It, it was quite delayed. But that lock <laughs> was one of the most powerful post-game locker rooms, if not the most powerful I've ever been in, because not one kid, not one plush and call kid, not one player said a word about what they did. It was about mm-hmm. our, our managers, our assistant coaches, our strength coach, our trainer. It, it was – everybody celebrated each other. It was nothing about, look at me. And I'm so thrilled that I was able to sit back and listen because these young people are incredible. Trust me. They are the answer going forward. Scott Davenport's not the answer. These young people are. So that was a very, very powerful night. And it, and, and it's you talk about how busy. Well, it's funny. I say it's the greatest busy of the, of the year. I mean, it's March. <laughs> yep. It's, yep. It's a great busy, believe me. 
And, you know, so, so you guys take down, take down Jacksonville and, and I definitely want to touch on, on the team aspect. Uh, Cause I, I think that really want to talk, talk about that and, and kind of how that has developed over the years. But, you know, obviously, you know, going into the game, you know, that even if you, if you won, it wouldn't mean uh, an NCAA, a tournament berth. And you've known that correct. since that you entered Div- division one, but you know, I'm still obviously there have been articles in the New York Times now about the rule and should that be changed, et cetera. Was it difficult uh, to kind of, you know, talk to the team about it or, or were they prepared? And it was such a joyous moment in terms of how how much you had accomplished in such a short time. Oh, no, they understood that. And, and Sean, mm-hmm. we approach coaching right where we are. And for mm-hmm. example, you know, we're allowed accountable athletic related activity in the summer. So when we do that, that segment is all about individual player improvement from a strength and conditioning standpoint, a physical mental standpoint, a fundamental skill standpoint. That's what we do. Then you get back in school and in that part, that preseason part, it's kind of a continuation, your preseason practice when your hours expand and you're able to do, more team-involved activities in terms of teaching and coaching, et cetera. Then you have your – and including in that is your exhibition games or your scrimmages, whatever you, the way you go. Then the next segment is the – you know, that's a segment of the year. So you got the summer. Right. You expand your hours in September, October. Then you have your non-conference schedule. That is a defined segment. By the way, this year in November <laughs> – we played Gonzaga, UCLA, and Purdue. That was the first basketball program in the history of college basketball to play number one, two, and three in November. That was the hmm. first ever. So then you have that non-conference segment. Then the next segment, and it's measurable, is your regular season conference schedule. Right. We finished second outright, earning the right to host, to get to earn a buy, and to host a quarterfinal round in the eighth Sun tournament. So that's measurable. Okay. The next measurable segment is the conference tournament period. And we mm-hmm. won that. Mm-hmm. So we are not, we never look ahead to, Oh, we do this. We do that. We just don't do that. Cause I want to, them to embrace, I want them to focus and concentrate where we are, but I want them to embrace, you know, those moments. Don't, don't get ahead. So we, we've never in two years dwelled on the fact that we're not eligible for the NCAA tournament. That is the rule. Right. We totally understand mm-hmm. that. Now, we have tried to affect change. They're going to vote in April. We hope that passes, and that rule becomes two years, not four. Right. That we could do two more shows about that. But So we never, you know, we stayed right there. That locker room was, again, only about each other. It was not about oh, we're going to do this in the NCAA tournament, or we're going to do this. That was never mentioned. Well, that, no, that, that makes sense, and especially how you, how you broke it down. And, you know, with the, with the tournament, um, you know, just looking at, at an offensive basis, the, the, your first game and then the championship game, you had almost an ungodly offensive performance, 1.37 points per possession and 1.33, and then a, a very tough, hard-fought, game on the road against a, a really good Liberty team. Um, That's not just a great you know, Liberty team. It's a great program. 
I yes. mean, it's a phenomenal program. Don't, don't, let's don't, let's don't downplay that. It's a phenomenal program. Richie McKay is one of the best coaches in the country. And their, their success speaks for itself. I, that's not subjective. I'm being very objective. No, certainly. And, and obviously with, with uh, Darius McGee, one of the, the top players in the conference the last, the last few seasons. And as, as you said, a, a great, great program. But it kind of leads into your offensive philosophy. And uh, I know there's a, a very popular video online from Hoop Vision, uh, which was, was well done about the team that, that doesn't dribble. Um, and what, you know, I'll just summarize that in, in a few seconds, but basically it looked at a lot of the teams across the country, um, how often they use ball screens and, you know, Gonzaga's, your Baylor's, how they were uh, top, you know, really top in the country in offensive efficiency. But here you have your university, which really focuses on passing, cutting off the ball movement. And I think, as you once said, really putting pressure on the offense or putting pressure on the defense by what you're doing on offense. I was wondering, can you just kind of walk me through a little bit of how, how you kind of developed your, your philosophy and, yeah, and why this, this strategy really we works. Could, we could do two more shows. Um, <laughs> you know, I became intrigued by the Greg Popovich. I've told disclosure, the Greg Popovich run they had at San Antonio and it was amazing when you really got deep into it, they were drafting totally different kind of players. Mm-hmm. They were. And then I, when I really got into his background, being a Division three coach and et cetera, and, and it all kind of it, – it developed from there. But the players deserved the credit because they bought in in a – fun, unselfish way to play. And the one philosophy that probably shaped my life as a coach many, many, many years ago was that, you know, very seldom, if ever, are the five best players the best team. Mm -hmm. And basketball, maybe in my opinion, more so than any sport, that is true. Very seldom, if ever, will the five best players be the best team. That it truly is a team game. You know, football has very many situational substitutions and different looks offensively, defensively, depending on what the down and distance, et cetera. Baseball, we got short-term or short relievers, long guys, you know, designated hitters. It's different. Right. I'm not a hockey Experts, so I don't know a lot. I know they have shift changes, etc. Golf, obviously, these other sports are in, in, in individual sports, but basketball is truly, truly a team game. And when it's played in an unselfish manner, I think it is the most beautiful sport of all. I do, and and, and it takes very, very willing and special players to embrace that type of that style of play. And that starts in recruiting, and the players deserve all the credit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do. They deserve all the credit. But I'll tell you this. It's fun to coach, and the results are the other night in a locker room where all they're doing is talking about each other. It, it, doesn't, just, it doesn't just play on the floor. It's on our locker room. It's on the bus. It's in an airport. Mm-hmm. It's, it's at each other's weddings. Believe me, it, it's not – just 
you know, on the court. And, and I take phenomenal, a tremendous amount of pride in that. And you, you mentioned recruiting, and I know right now, you know, there's a, a vast majority of the players, uh, Indiana, Ohio, um, you know, in the past, kind of Kentucky, et cetera. From a recruiting standpoint for you and the, the coaching staff, is it really to hone in on, on several several states and then really dive deep to find the players that could fit your system? Um, or, or when you guys are out recruiting? If you look at our roster, you mm-hmm. would say that. You would say that. Mm-hmm. But we have had players from Northern Africa, from Europe, from France, throughout France <laughs> Australia. No, <laughs> it, it really it's not just geographical. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more, you know, the individuals that, that mm-hmm. involved. Uh, and, and I'm going to say to him again, the players deserve all the credit. Um, you know, as a teacher, when you have willing students, Mm-hmm. Let's take a third grade class, and you've got 22 third graders that walked in your class, and every one of them wanted to learn that day. Or mm-hmm. every one of them, for example, they wanted to help the other third grader. That teacher's going to have one whale of a day. <laughs> and that's how – and you hear the word culture a lot now in sports. Right. And I kind of go another way. I, I use the word program. Because by my definition, program means you have a plan. Mm -hmm. And you have a plan academically, athletically, socially, not just on the court. And when they all buy in, again, I'm going to say it for the 15th time, they deserve (laughs) all the credit. And and creating creating a program is is difficult. Um, And and that kind of leads me, before we kind of go back to creating a program, I just want to in terms of, of coaching, I know you're a, a Louisville native, uh, went to University of Louisville, went, started, kind of got your start as a grad assistant, but how did you know that you wanted to, or I guess, when did you know that you wanted to be a coach? <laughs> I love it. My favorite <laughs> question. Let, let me back up one thing. First of all, the first lesson you learn in coaching is there's more than one way to be successful. So there's mm-hmm. no one way. Secondly, when we talk about a program, we have to highlight one thing. The greatest – everybody says, how do you uh, – Bellarmine in 05 won nine games. Mm-hmm. I left the University of Louisville. We'd gone to the Final Four. Six years later, we win a national championship. And everybody says, my gosh, how would you do that? Everybody thinks I'm going to come up with some magical play or offense <laughs> or defense. Now, right. one, one, one thing trumps every every – reason the greatest recruiters in our program hands down the reason for our success is our it's our players show me show me a law practice with five tremendous attorneys and that sixth attorney would love to jump on that team Mm -hmm. same in a medical practice or an accounting firm and our our players are our greatest recruiters now and that that trumps everything now, how did I get into coaching? I left, and I grew up in the south end of Louisville, actually on the same street world-famous Churchill Downs is, Central Avenue. Mm-hmm. Very blue-collar neighborhood. 
I lost my father on Halloween day when I was nine years old at one fifteen in the afternoon of a massive heart attack, 15 feet from me. I had a hmm. mother who was a, a superstar. And coaches shaped my life. When I went to the University of Louisville, I was going to be a pharmacist. <laughs> and the second semester, spring of 1975, the Natural Science Building on the, on the University of Louisville campus, room 101, the lecture hall, probably seats 300. And I was in an entry-level chemistry class. And that was the hardest final exam I've ever taken in my life. And I think in a seat, there's a plaque that says, here sit the worst chemistry student in the history <laughs> of the University of Louisville, Scott Davenport. <laughs> and I walked out that day and I said, who are you kidding? You're going to be a teacher and a basketball coach. But it goes back, and I, I'll give you, I'll cite one example. I, I made the mm -hmm. ninth grade basketball team as an eighth grader. That mm -hmm. was a big thing. There was only two of us. That was mm -hmm. a big thing. And we had to wear a tie on the day of the game because yep. he wanted us to feel important and look good. His name was Vernon Wold. Well, my mother's from a rural area of Kentucky, Green County, Kentucky. I'm nine years, I'm, I'm, you know, I lose my dad at nine. I'm in a blue collar neighborhood. And, you know, you're too young, Sean. I, I don't know you. I don't know how you are. But what kind of tie do you think I have? How old are you, Sean? I'm, I'm 38. Okay, you're too young. <laughs> I had a clip-on tie. Uh, <laughs> That's all I had. I wore that to my dad's funeral when I was nine. Now, now I'm 14. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't wear a clip-on tie to junior high school. <laughs> but my mom goes by me two times. Mm -hmm. Now what's the next problem? How am I going to tie the tie? Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's from the rural area. So, you know, what, what do I do now? I sneak into school. I meet my coach in his classroom, and he ties my tie way before school. I had too much personal pride to admit, you know, I don't mind to do this. Everybody else comes in, they got theirs on. So I would meet him every morning, every game, game day, every morning, and he'd tie my tie. I only had two of them. Well, over the term, he taught me how to tie a tie. I've never in my life, coaching, speaking engagement, no matter, I've never in my life, tie to tie that I didn't think of Vernon Wolf teaching me how to tie a tie. My point is teachers and coaches, counselors, principals, system principals, they shaped my life. And I'm forever indebted. And, and that chemistry was a disaster. And from that day forward, I was going to be a coach. But I think before that, when I made that eighth grade basketball team, I bought a spiral notebook, the old time spiral notebook. Yep. And I started what I called back then a diary or a log. Now it would be a fancy journal and you'd be doing it on your laptop. And I kept every single day what we did in practice. Eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, two years as a walk-on JV player at the University of Louisville. So I think looking back, I was going to be a coach. Right. And when, when you did get into coaching, I know you were in the college ranks for a little while. You mentioned 
going back to, to high school and, and coaching in Kentucky, where obviously, you know, basketball similar to Indiana's is a, is a religion. Um, you got to coach, you know, I think it's, it's rare to coach in high school people this, this talented, but one of the players that, that jumps to mind is, is Alan Houston, um, who watching him in college or the pros was one of the, you know, had one of the prettiest jump shots I've seen. Oh, uh, but I guarantee <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what was it like, you know, you're, you know, probably what in your, your mid, mid twenties at that, that time. Um, and, and, and you're coaching, you're coaching high school. There's a lot of pressure, but how coaching in, in general in Kentucky at Ballard and, and having a player like Alan Houston, uh, you know, to coach as well. Well, I, I'll tell you, Sean, one of the, I'll tell you the, how I can answer that question. Four years ago this September, mm-hmm. one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life as a coach occurred. Is my wife and I had the 1988 Ballard State Champions over on a Friday night. <laughs> one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life. When we had them over, they were 45 years old. Now, Alan Houston had been an, an all-star NBA player, an Olympian, uh, an NBA executive. Uh, he just, we know, we could, you know, just list all his accolades. Yep. And Eric Gathright has worked 32 years at the GE plant here in Louisville. Kenneth Martin, whose son is Keelan Martin, the great player that played at Butler. Kenneth right. Martin's a middle school principal here in Louisville. Todd Hired is a high school coach at Brabuff in Indianapolis. Mark Bell coaches down in Marion. I can go on and on and on. The McDuffies took over their dad's masonry business. I can go on and on and on. But on that night, nobody cared that Alan Houston lived in, lives in Greenwich, Connecticut, and his neighbors are Mariah Carey and Montel Williams, and you know, nobody cared. Mm-hmm. And nobody cared that, you know, Gap who was our, our enforcer, and he set screens and drew charges and rebounded the ball. It, it works at GE. Nobody cared. They were 45 years old. And, and that night, the, the, the inside story is on Wednesday, Eric Gathright got a hold of me and said, Coach, we need a favor. And I said, yeah, what do you need? We're ready to go. Boy, we're really looking forward to it. He goes, no, nah, Coach, you you got to <laughs> change. I said, what are you talking about? He said, Coach, he said, you got to send out a, a communication. No girlfriends and no wives are invited. <laughs> I can't do that. He said, Coach, you have to. Because none of them went to Ballard, and they'll want to leave at 9 o'clock, and, and we want to stay with each other. We don't want to do that. So I have to fall on the sword. I look like a jerk. I, I disinvite them. Uninvite them, I guess the proper word. They left my house at 2.40 a.m. the next morning. <laughs> and, and again, it's one of the greatest things I've ever done. And we had so much fun. Two years later, we invited the, um, or the next summer, actually, we invited the 2011 national champions from Bellarmine, and they all mm-hmm. met their wives at Bellarmine, so they all came. <laughs> but I think that's the rewards of coaching. And I call those emotional paychecks. A paycheck mm. you can cash once, an emotional paycheck you can cash a lifetime. Last Tuesday night, we won the A-Sun 
and that celebration and those players and their efforts, I will cash a lifetime, believe me. Well, I, I like that term, the emotional paycheck. And, and I'm sure, you know, throughout with the Atlantic Sun being one of them, and, and there's a variety, a variety of those. Um, but just kind of staying, you know, staying back, you finish at, at Ballard and Denny Crum is at, at Louisville. Uh, so at that time, you know, very well established uh, high school coach. But how did that how did that kind of come about of, of that action from from high school back into in the college ranks with with Denny and 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 Louisville well I'd been a graduate assistant under mm-hmm. coach Crum I'd coached at VCU under a great coach Mike Polio and and mm-hmm. Sean on that staff Tubby Smith and I were assistant coaches together mm-hmm. and then but truth be known I was passed over twice for positions at the University of Louisville and then in 1996, Coach Crum did hire me, and he retires five years later. And I was well-versed about Coach Patino because, let's face it, he coached at Kentucky, and I was at Louisville, and he was the bitter rival, and I read all his books, and I listened to shows and went to clinics. I knew everything about him. And one of the things I knew, he had never, he had never kept a coach from a previous staff. And in 2001, he's named the head coach at the University of Louisville, and two weeks later, I was retained, mm-hmm. and it changed my life. And I'm forever indebted to Coach Patino for, for that opportunity. And I told him that morning I would never. I don't want to say it was congrats. Sorry. <laughs> I got a guy, neighbor young, congratulations to me as I'm trying to do this. And, um, <laughs> um, you know, I'm the luckiest coach, Sean, who's ever coached mm-hmm. any sport at any, any level. Any sport, any level. I've coached under two Hall of Fame coaches. Coaches, I, like I mentioned, shaped my life. And um, I, I'm the luckiest coach. Who's, You know, you think of this. Um, I phrase it in this terms. A job, by definition, is a vocation. That's a job. And I've never I've never had a job in my life. Mm-hmm. I've had an advocation. And what I've advocated are those phenomenal young people. And I coached JV basketball in high school. And I, I mean, I coached every level. And I'm proud of that. I wouldn't change a thing. You know, we see coaches now, the first time out there ever calling their lives in the NBA. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't change anything. But I will tell you this. By having an advocation and not a vocation, right before my mother passed away, she told me, she said, you know, Scotty, she said, if you work really hard, you might get a real job, make something out of yourself. <laughs> and I've never had a job. I've had, a, mm-hmm. I've had this advocation for these phenomenal young people that I'm fortunate enough to coach. And I'm thankful every single day because every day I get to go coach, not I have to. There's a big difference. When you wake up every day, you have to go to work or you get to go to work. There's a big difference. Right. Yep. And I get to go every day, and I'm thankful. I am thankful every single day. 
and obviously a lot of lot of hard work went in went into that um and you know from the you mentioned the louisville final four team uh and then kind of transitioning you know from the assistant coach into the head coaching spot same you know same staying in staying in louisville and, and going to bellarmine um you talked about recruiting and really the strength of the players but Going to another emotional paycheck, um, you know, you talked that 2011 NCAA championship. Um, you know, how how was that experience, and and just I'm I'm sure from the the school and the town, the support that you guys received at that point in time uh, after two you know two tournament appearances uh, the years before. But how you know how was that emotional paycheck for for you at, at such an early part? in your in your uh, head coaching uh start well my my greatest thrills in coaching my greatest thrills are to stand back as far as i can stand and watch like if you go back and watch the 2011 national championship we beat byu the white i immediately went down and shook, shook coach wagner's hand and then I vanish. You never see me. I'm standing at the far end of the court just watching them, just watching them. I was bawling like a baby. I cried at grocery store clothes, believe me. And I'm just watching <laughs> And the other night, you know, we win the A-Sun Conference Championship in, eight, in, eight, in year two, transitioning. You're not supposed to do that in any way, shape, or form. And I was trying to position myself. But the, the students, and not just the students, half the arena stormed the court, and I couldn't see the players because they were engulfed in all the people. <laughs> so my drills are, are different. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, Tuesday night, for example, as they started cutting the nets down, mm-hmm. you won't see me anywhere. I was standing at the up, opposite free throw line, just watching them. <laughs> just watching them. Because I've been there every second of every day to see them on this incredible journey. And their families are on the court and their fellow students. And I just stood there. And and it's impossible to express how much personal pride I have in our program, our student managers, our our staff. Um, And then to win a conference tournament championship in Freedom Hall where I won a state championship where I was an assistant under two two Hall of Fame coaches. Mm-hmm. And, and this is gonna this is gonna sound like a brag, but it's not, Sean. There's a organization called the Kentucky Athletic Hall of Fame. And it, it you name anyone with any Kentucky ties, you know, Coach Crumb. Yep. Secretariat, uh, Paul Horning, Pee Wee, they're all in it. And there's this beautiful brass plaque of every individual who's in it. And it, they are mounted on the corridor. There's Olympians, there's Hall of Famers, you name it. I was inducted in 2017. Mm-hmm. That plaque's in Freedom Hall. And I did some research there's 126 members. I grew up closest to that plaque <laughs> than anyone. 
In other words, physically, my house was right down the street on Central Avenue in a very, very, you know, blue-collar neighborhood. So the greatest thing that I take from it, to answer your question, what if, what if one young person in a similar background says, wow, that guy, he did okay. Maybe I can too. It'll right. all be worthwhile. It'll all be mm-hmm. worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Well, now that obviously a, a tremendous accomplishment, uh, especially just given given the proximity and and all the background uh, growing up and and the, the different coaching steps. So I I could go on for for hours, but I'll I'll save you know just one last question for you. Uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, the Purdue, Gonzaga, UCLA. Uh, also, there's Murray State and St. Mary's, so two teams that. Uh, played or won their their tournament championship, and then uh, the year before, obviously COVID affected a lot. But you you had a season opener at at Cameron Indoor against Duke and Coach K, and then next year, um, I believe there's a series with Louisville that's uh, that's starting up. So, how special is it for you to you know play some play some of these uh, you know top programs, but also give the kids that experience to play? Uh, you know, inside whether it's Cameron Indoor or UCLA, Gonzaga, etc. Um, you know, what what are those experiences for you like, as, and especially coming up playing playing Louisville next year? Well, you go back and you talk about how it's building a program, mm-hmm. and the first we have a beautiful, beautiful picture. The first jump ball in the history of Bellarmine University as a Division One program is in Cameron Indoor Stadium. That can never be taken away. And I will forever be indebted to the coaches that, that allow this to happen. The, the Mike Krzyzewskis, the Mark Fuse, the Mick Cronin, uh, who I was so fortunate to coach with at the University of Louisville, um, to Matt Painter, to Coach Huggins. You go on and on and on how appreciative I am because those are key elements in building a program. But I will say this, our players deserve it without a doubt. And it's certainly certainly been fun to to watch watch those players. Uh, you know, you've had a tremendous amount of All Americans, uh, and I we talked about this before we started recording. But Braden Hobbs uh, was a player I was familiar with in in Germany, and has a very uh, successful overseas career. One of one of many many players. Uh, but obviously, you know, fun to to watch you guys in the tournament this year. Um, I think you know to a lot of people you snuck up on on the teams but at the same time you you talked about building a program and that program has been been years in the making um so i know it's been uh, a long time coming even though it's been a short two-year period in division one so congratulations for your success as well as the team and the program's success and really appreciate you coming on uh to chat about some of those experiences well, thank you very much, and I'll close with this. Number one, it always has and always will be about the players. We will always put the players first. You mentioned the Braden Hobson. We could go through every single one of them as well as our <laughs> managers. It does. It truly takes everybody. And, and, and in closing, what I would say is that, you know, last year was our first year. We played the last Saturday of the, of the regular season for the conference championship on ESPNU against Liberty. This year, we win the conference tournament championship. So you're, you're, I appreciate everything you said, but keep in mind, we're not done yet. Yep. 
Well, I, well, I definitely look forward to, to following and, and I'm, I'm sure others do as well as, uh, in, you know, in addition to some of these, these game, you know, the Louisville's, et cetera, the world where you guys will be, you know, knocking, knocking them off uh, soon enough. So I, I really appreciate the time. And once again, have, you know, I think the style of, of play and as you said, the program and the players has been uh, tremendous. So thank you again for, for coming on and, and sharing some of your experiences. Well, I appreciate you. And please believe me, if there's everything I can do, do not hesitate. Let me know. Thank you very much. Um, and, and with that, that, that wraps up another edition of the Sean Mo Hoops Pie with Coach Scott Davenport of Bellarmine University, the home of the Sun Tournament Champions.